Hey friends, welcome to the Collide Midweek Podcast. These episodes are recorded every Wednesday night at our midweek gathering for those of you who may have missed it or just want to hear it again. We hope that the following episode encourages you to know, grow, and go in your faith. In the beginning, God. We started this journey four weeks ago. I thought it would be really impactful for you guys to see one of these Bible Project videos. I know that was long. That was eight minutes. But think about how much ground you just covered in the Bible in eight minutes. I didn't even show you the first video, which covered chapters, uh, the first half of the book. But those videos are free. There, You go to thebibleproject.com. For you guys that are really, really visual learners like I am, just an incredible way to use art, to use God-given talents, to tell the storyline of Scripture. But I think after an eight-minute video, I don't know about you, but every time I watch it, I learn something new about God. And the more you learn about God, the more you fall in love with God, the more that you want to trust Him with your life, and the more, like the guy just said in the video, you want to turn the next page and learn more. We have two more weeks today and then next week in the beginning God as we cover this incredible book of Genesis. But as you just saw, there's so many things that go on there. But what we're going to talk about tonight is incredible because it focuses on one one guy in the scriptures. Um, Here's basically an outline of what we've covered so far and then where we're going for tonight. Karen's going to put it up there. Emily's going to put it up there for you. It goes like this. We got creation in the beginning, right? Which is Genesis 1 and 2. God creates everything beautiful. His prized creation, you and I, humans, remember the word Adam comes from the word Adam, which where we get our first, where you and I are ancestors of Adam and Eve. And then basically all these stories and we get to the story of Joseph. But in that video, you saw the story of Adam in there, creation, the fall, remember Genesis 3. But the promise is made that one is coming to crush the head of Satan forever. And it's the seed of the woman. And that seed we know is Mary, that woman is Mary, and that seed is Jesus. How beautiful is that? All from the get-go, God, His plan of redemption of His people, all through this. And then we get to a guy named Noah, and the story of Noah and his family. And this worldwide flood, God wipes out everything, but He saves this remnant in this family, and this guy Noah. And He says, build an ark, build a boat. It's never rained before. What's an ark? What's a boat? And He trusts God, and He does that. And then you see right? The, in Genesis 6 through 11, you've got all those amazing stories of, um, man, just sin, just rampant sin. And then you've got the Tower of Babel and all these different things going on. And then you get to Abraham. We've been studying Abraham for the last couple of weeks. You guys remember this promise. You saw it in the video. He looks up at the sky, Genesis 15. You're going to have that many descendants. Remember, and, and Abraham doesn't have any children. When he has Isaac, he's how old? Do you guys remember? He's 100. And, and Sarah is 90. Incredible. And then we get all the way to chapter 25. And then the story of Isaac, his son. Abraham dies during that time. The story of Isaac. And then the story of Jacob. You saw a little bit about that in the video. But here's what I want you guys to focus on as we get ready to unpack. I'm going to start the story of Joseph tonight, and then we're going to finish it next week. But look at all the amazing things we covered just in Genesis 1 through 11. Think about everything that happened from creation to Adam to Noah. Think about all of that. Now look at the real estate that God gives the story of Joseph. Look at that. 14 chapters in the Bible are devoted to one man and his family and what happens in his life. Guys, I don't think that's any coincidence. 
that God wants us to lean in and He wants us to learn from this story of Joseph, this incredible man who we're going to read about. But he was a man. He was human, just like you and I. And he had some things that he handled really well and some things that he didn't handle really, really well. But remember, the storyline of Scripture, the grand narrative of Scripture is God's incredible love for you and I and that He'll stop at nothing to come after us. And you see story after story of people messing things up in God's faithfulness to what? I'm going to come after them. I love them. And you see that all throughout the scripture. And all of these stories, guys, we're not reading the book of Genesis so you can say, I've now studied the book of Genesis. We're reading it so that it'll get inside of you and you'll learn to really trust God with your life. And God was faithful to Adam, to Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph. And he's faithful to you and he's faithful to me. Let's pray as we open up God's word. Father, we need you. Your word is beautiful. It's a gift. It's for us. Inspired every single word by your Holy Spirit. God, thank you. I pray that every teenager just grows to love your word. And they want to bring their Bibles to midweek. And they want to, they just don't let their Bibles sit on a nightstand. But they want to, to read it, to devour it. God, teach me something. Father, would you teach us tonight? Every page whispers the name of Jesus. We see that. We saw that last week in the parallel between Isaac and Jesus. Jesus carries his own cross up a mountain, up a hill called Golgotha. Isaac carries his own wood to an altar, wondering, is God going to produce a sacrificial lamb? And sure enough, he does. God's a promise maker and a promise keeper. And I pray that myself, my students, and our leaders just fall more and more in love with your word. It's for us. It's profitable. It's good. I don't want the students to look at it and go, that was written a long time ago. It's living and it's active. Living God, speak tonight through your word. We need you. Eliminate me from the equation. Father, would you put your words in my heart and my mind that come out my mouth? Would you impress on every heart tonight how much you love them? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In the beginning, week four, here's our title for tonight. Pride comes before the fall. Two key words in there. We're going to look at pride, what pride is, and we're going to look like we're going to look at what happens when people fall. We are humans. We are sinful. We what? We we were born with this. We didn't ask for it, but because of our descendants, Adam and Eve, we have a sin nature. Remember, I told you, don't point the finger, because if it was KB in the garden, I would have done the same thing. But you see. That in the midst of that, God coming after His people is that I love them. I want their hearts. And tonight in this story, you're going to be amazed at what you see, what happens in a family. Here's your gospel focus for tonight. Here's where I want your heart to be as we start and your heart to be as we finished, as we finish tonight. My goal is to encourage you to trust Jesus by identifying His sovereign plan in Joseph's life. That's my goal tonight. That's what I want you to walk away with through his word, through your small group, is that you trust God. You trust Jesus by identifying his sovereign plan in Joseph's life. Big word, church word. We're going to define it real simply in just a minute. But when you think about those two words, trust and sovereign, I want you to think about your life. In the first couple verses of this text tonight in Genesis 37... We're going to find out how old Joseph is during this time. And guys, as I was studying this week, 
I was blown away by thinking about Joseph is 17 when we enter the text tonight. And it was it's no coincidence that I look back on my life. This was, that was basically the time when I walked away from God. Got my license, started getting a little notoriety with baseball. Colleges are calling, getting a little recruiting juice going on. And what did I do? Instead of trusting the sovereign hand of God and being humble and staying underneath the mighty hand of God and His love and the athletic ability and where it comes from, is KB got arrogant and prideful. And it didn't take me long before I fell. But in this story, we're going to see a son. We're going to see a dad. We're going to see some angry brothers. We're going to see the sovereign hand of God. When you guys leave and you're in the car with your parents or you're in the car with your friends, you should be able to communicate what you learned tonight. And that's my goal. That you trust Jesus with everything in your life because He's sovereign, He's in control, and you can promise that His love is going to chase you down and go with you all the days of your life. You're going to look at this story and go, I don't understand how this can happen. God's faithful and He's good. Here's your first one. Before we get to the first one, here's what sovereignty is. Just basically four words. That God is in control. That's what sovereignty is. Not on your outline. Put it on there somewhere. Write it in your Bible. Write it next to it. When someone asks you, what does sovereign mean? What does sovereignty mean? God, you see the word reign in there? God is ruling and reigning. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He has complete power. He's in complete control. Nothing catches Him by surprise. Just like we sang in those two songs. Thank you, Stephen and Allie and Jaden so beautifully leading us each week and then our other singers that help. I'm so thankful that, man, we're singing praises to God every week. I pray you're not just reading those words, that you're singing them. But you heard those words in the song. You heard faith and trust and sovereign and right wherever you lead, I'll follow and, and I can trust you. You call me out on the waves. Joseph's going to get called to something in his life tonight and he's going to wonder, where is God? But man, I pray you guys see his sovereign hand over your life, that he's ruling and reigning. God doesn't look down from heaven and go, well, I didn't see that coming. He's in complete control of everything. And you can trust Him. Look at me. He's always working for His glory and your good. Even when it's hard. Even when the doctor tells my wife and I, breast cancer. Tracy and I got on our knees and here's what we know. God is ruling and reigning. He's always been good. He's going to be good. He's in complete control. We can trust Him. And you can too with whatever's going on in your life. First one, write this down. Jacob's delight. There's a dad in this story and he really delights in one of his sons and it causes problems right from the get-go. Jacob's delight. When you think of the word delight, what's something you delight in? Something that you just love. Man, I delight. I get, man, it gets KB fired up when I'm out in the parking lot and I see y'all pulling in. Man, I love, uh, just brings me joy. All day, I'm so excited for you guys to get here. Man, I love my wife. I delight in my wife. I just delight in what a gift, what a treasure she is. Man, I delight in a good bowl of ice cream. Anybody else? Can I get an amen? Yeah? I don't know why KB didn't offer you ice cream with pizza tonight. My apologies. I'll do better next time, okay? But you can say thank you, for, thank you for the pizza, KB. You can say it anytime that you want to. But I love you. But what? You delight in something. You kind of treasure it. Thank you, Ryan. I love you, buddy. Jacob's delight. Let's see what happens in the text. Genesis 37, verse 1. 
So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, there it was. Man, it jumped off the page at KB this week thinking about, man, when I was 17, what was I doing? Man, I was running from God. I was arrogant. I was prideful. Let's see what happens with Joseph. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Guys, right from the get-go, do you see it in the text? Do you see the things that are going on? Just some words should pop in your mind when you think about this. It starts with Joseph, and it says what? He brings a bad report to his dad about his brothers. Uh, guys, I'm the middle of three brothers, and man, tattletailing never went good in my house. KB always ended up getting his tail whooped, and what? Either by my dad or my brothers, something happened. But you think about this, in this text, is right from the get-go, you see something going on in Joseph where what? He kind of wants to get towards dad, and man, I saw them doing something. You see this. You see this pride kind of popping up here. Now quickly, just one verse later, what happens? Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Guys, favoritism never goes well. We see it all throughout Scripture that favoritism does not honor God, and it's a sin. And what? When we think about this, when you think about favoritism, you're going to see things just unravel quickly in this family because a dad kind of shows favoritism towards his son. Can you think about this? How would this go well in my home with Matthew and Mallory showing favoritism towards one or the other? It what? It start, they are start asking questions and you pit one against the other and then nothing good comes out of it. Make sure you write that down. Favoritism right from the get-go. We see it right here. It never ends well. The next sentence. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Now, when you study this, this would have not been any ordinary robe. A robe during that time would have been a tunic. So it would have been a long thing that the males wore and it like went over their head and it was long and they would tie it around with a little belt right here, but it had no sleeves on it. It says that this one, when you study it, was like really, really special, went all the way down to the floor and it had sleeves and it had all these colors on it. You wear this, what does it scream? To your brothers. You're like the favored one. You're the chosen one. It basically screams, hate me. Right When you wear this right from the get-go, but did, did, uh, did Joseph ask for this? No. The father has it made for him. And what do you think? What, what's going on in the brothers' minds here? You, you, you can find out in the text in the next verse. But his brothers hated Joseph. Guys, think about that word. Man, that's a word that we don't throw around lightly in society, do we? You should not throw it around. Hate is a huge word. When you say you hate someone, man... That's like you, you wish ill upon them. And we're going to see that the brothers basically want their brother dead over some, some things that when you look at it, you go, man, to hate him, to kill him. Guys, think about this. His brothers hated Joseph. Why? Because their father loved him more than the rest of them. 
Guys, I was with my dad last night. I'm 47. And here's one thing that I long for still to this day is like, I want my dad to be proud of me. I think we see this in the text. You see this from these, these sons. You see this, and you guys know this, is there's just something about, man, dad's approval. And you think about what happens with these guys that don't get it. They wish that their brother was dead. And I was thinking about that last night as I spent time with my dad and, and went to Mallory's game. We hung out. Me and Andreas went out to dinner with my parents. And I was just thinking about, man, I want my dad, even at 47, I want my dad to say, I love you and I'm proud of you. You see, but when you're a son, the love is placed on you, isn't it? Nothing that I do, like nothing that I do with you guys makes my dad go, I love Kevin more because he's a high school pastor. No, he loves me because I'm his son. The love was placed on him, on me at birth, right? Same for you. That love placed on you by your heavenly father. And I pray you tuck that away in your heart. Look what happens next. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Can you see what's going on? The dad's delight leads to this Man, this thing going on inside of these brothers where it's just not sitting well. But I want you guys to think about pride. And I want you guys to think about what's going on here. Joseph, right? Tattletailing, telling on his brothers. The dad showing favoritism. Now the brothers, this hate. Why does he love them? Why does he love him more than us? Here's your second one. Write this down. After Jacob's delight, it gets to Joseph's dreams. Joseph's dreams. Verse 5. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph... The father wondered what the dreams were meant, what the dreams meant. Now, when you guys think about this, Joseph is given a gift by God, right? He's, he gets these dreams and he's able to interpret them. We're going to see that next week. Later in the story is that in God's sovereign hand is that the dreams and, and Joseph being able to do this is part of God's plan to rescue his people. But right here we see from the get-go, what does Joseph do with it? Guys, does anybody like when someone has a dream or somebody knows something more about somebody else and they come right to that person and they just say, hey, I had this thing and I'm smarter than you and all you guys are going to bow down to me. Remember, it already said that they hated him. Now what do you think's going on in their hearts? Was there any need for Joseph to do this in the midst of he's wearing this jacket, now he's got the dreams and you see all of that. Man, just right, you're reading the text and you're going, if I'm one of those brothers... Something's stirring in me too. Let's see what happens. Brothers disdain. So the father's delight leads to Joseph's dreams, which leads to these brothers disdain. And, and basically that's just a kind of a big word that means that 
someone is like unworthy of respect or consideration. These, these brothers despise their own brother. They disdain him. They, they, he's not worthy of this. He's not worthy of even our consideration, our respect, or as we're going to see in the text, he's not even worthy of living. Verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Underline it, guys. Start right there. Man, this has gone next level now. They hate him. They see him coming after he does these dreams. And we see in the text, we missed a few there from 11 to 18. The, the, the dad, Jacob, says, I want you to go find your brothers and I want you to give me a report on how they're doing. So what does he do? Joseph, Joseph obeys, but what they see him coming, they recognized him in the distance. He approached and they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him, throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Okay, guys, you see this in the text. This gets kind of next level now. This delight leads to these dreams, which leads to disdain. And now you have this plot to kill them. One of them, Reuben speaks up and says, hey, man, we shouldn't be shedding any blood here. But then he says, right, he kind of gets to back to the, the original point. Let's just put him in there and just he's going to die in there anyway. But then they see this group coming by and they're like, we can sell him into slavery, ultimately knowing that what? They don't think Joseph is going to survive slavery. And you guys see this. Man, do you see this in the text? Do you see kind of this? This pride and this arrogance now of the brothers to go, we don't trust God. We don't trust that this is going to end well. So we're going to take matters into our own hands and we're going to kill our own brother. Guys, can you think about that? Can I be transparent and honest with you guys for a second? And some of you guys know this. My small group guys know this about me. One of the things that I struggle with the most in my walk, one sin that I struggle with the most is jealousy is I look at other people, I look at other pastors, I look at other dads, I look at other communicators, I look at other, you name it. And I compare myself to other people. And what that does inside of me makes me jealous towards them, but it also turns my heart bitter towards those people. And KB has to get his heart checked real quick. I have to get on my knees because what? I'll be like inside of me, I'll be like cautiously kind of saying, hey, I hope they don't succeed. I hope they don't do good. And man, that is sinful. And I get on my knees and I repent before a holy God and God forgives me. But this is something that KB struggles with. Any of you guys, they don't have to raise your hand. But when you think about what the brothers are going through, this jealousy and all of that, now they're going to murder. Now they take this matter into their own hands. This is something as I was reading the text this week that really stirred up in me is, do I trust God? 
You see, because jealousy really means what? Is that if I envy somebody else, I don't trust the way God made me is who he wants me to be. God doesn't need another person. God needs KB to be KB, and he needs you to be you. So when you think about jealousy and all this stuff going on, is we see the sovereign hand of God, but we see these guys who are jealous, who are jealous of their brother, and they take matters into their own, own hands. Why? Because they don't trust God. Which leads to our four, fourth point. Write this down. Is Jacob's distress. So the father's delight leads to Joseph's dreams, which leads to... The brothers disdain. They want their brother dead. You see that? Now we lead to Jacob's distress. And we fast forward a couple verses to verse 31. The brothers have taken matters into their own hands. And let's see what happens. Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Guys, they go as far as lying and just making up this complete false story that didn't happen. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap. This is like mourning. He goes into a, just, a, just a period and a posture of mourning. He can't believe it. Remember, Joseph is the favorite son. He's the favorite one. This was uh, it's his second youngest, but it's, it's from his favorite wife. And you guys think about this. He mourned deeply from his, uh, for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. And then he would weep. And we're going to continue the story next week. And a lot of you guys, you know the story of Joseph. You know what happens. He what? Sold into slavery. Incredible things happen. God's sovereign hand, right? Um, sold to Potiphar in Potiphar's house. Wrongly accused. All these different things that we're going to see. You see God's sovereign hand go with Joseph everywhere. But there's really two big words that pop out in this text to me tonight. And I hope you guys see it. The first one is pride. Let's unpack what pride is before you go to small group. Not on your outline, but you can take notes. I just want you to think about this. Pride is, it points to a sinful individual who shifts ultimate confidence from God to self. So I put some verses down there. If you guys want to cross check them and just kind of go back, maybe in group, look at a few of them. Pride is, is it points to a sinful individual, someone who shifts ultimate confidence from God to their self. This is about me. I want to make it about me. You guys remember in KB's life, it was all about arrogance and kind of pride. And this is my athletic ability. And I've done this. You see this, guys. This is something that we all struggle with. We all can struggle with pride. It's when you shift things from God to you. I'm in control of this. I did this. I'm good. Look what the Bible says. We're in trouble if this is our attitude. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Man, I don't know about you guys, but when I read the word oppose and it's got God before it, I'm running the other way. God opposes the proud, the puffed up, the arrogant, and he gives grace. Do you want grace from God? I know I do. He gives grace to who? The humble. Underline it. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Man, think about that. A man's pride will bring him low. I can think about sometimes in my life when KB was arrogant and prideful. 
man, I think about my senior year when I was at Elon. Here's what I wanted. I wanted a phone call to get drafted to go to Major League Baseball. And here's what I got. Put on my rear end with two major injuries and KB got low real quick. God was not in his rightful place. KB's pride brought him low. But here's where I want my life to speak now. A humble spirit will obtain honor. Look at Matthew 23. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And praise be to God. Now, what's the opposite of pride? The opposite of pride, you saw it in the text, is humility. Here's what humility is. Humility points to a person who lives in complete dependence on God's mercy. They are not concerned with power, prestige, or position. And they have unquestioning obedience to God's word. You think about those three things. Humility points to a person who lives in complete dependence on God's mercy. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes down from the Father of lights. Everything in your life, everything that we have, comes from God's sovereign hand. Humility sits underneath that and goes, I'm not in control, God is. And then they're what? They're not concerned with power, prestige, or position. What did KB want? I wanted power, I wanted everybody to know my name, and I wanted a position. KB got humbled real quick. And here's where I want to be in my life now. And here's where I want your guys' lives to be as a teenager. Unquestioning obedience to God's word. God wrote a book, y'all. And you get to read it. And you get to love it. And you sit underneath it. And you go, if God says it, I believe it. I'm hanging on every truth of God's word. And you live in what? Humility. You guys know who humble people are. I look around this room and I see a room full of humble servants. 35 of them that come every single Wednesday to pour into your life. There's a lot of other places they could be. They have said yes to the most beautiful ministry in all of the church. Man, I love teenagers. I love y'all. But it's what? It takes a village. My son is now a small group leader. He was poured into faithfully from when he was a child in this church. And now you see that. Faithful men and women that just poured into Matthew. Faithful men and women that are pouring into Mallory every single week. And they're teaching them what? That it's not about me. The most important thing in your life is men loving Jesus and sitting underneath His Word and trusting His sovereign plan for your life. Make sure you thank a leader tonight in your room and say thank you for being humble and not saying, you know what, there's a lot of other things I could do on a Wednesday. There's nothing greater than pouring into teenagers and teaching you to love the Bible and to love Jesus. Look at these verses. And then I'm going to send you to group. Look at the heart of this man in this text. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give th tithes and all I get. But the tax collector, you see the first guy pumping his chest saying, look at me. Now look at the tax collector. What's a tax collector? He's trying to get money to pad his pockets. And what does he say? Standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Who was exalted? The despised tax collector who said what? Have mercy on me, a sinner. Second Samuel, you save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. And I don't want that in my life. And then we studied this last year in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember what, you remember what poor in spirit is, guys? Spiritually bankrupt, which means that we are nothing without God, completely dependent upon Him. And what's the prize? What's the promise? Kingdom of heaven. Sign me up for that all day, every day. Here's what I want you guys to see about pride. His pride is at the center of what sin is. At its core, sin is us believing our way, our thoughts, our code is more important than God's. You see this in this text tonight. This is at the core of what sin is. We want our own way. I'm believing in my own way more than God's. We're going to see this all throughout the text is this week and next week as we finish the story of Joseph. Here's kind of your walking point as you go to small group. Is guys, there are no accidents in the economy of God. Think about where we've been in Joseph's story. Think about this coat, what's going on. The brothers hate him. They try to kill him. They make up a story. Now they sell him to some slave traders. He's going to end up in Egypt. You've got to be thinking, man, Joseph is going, what in the world is going on? Guys, there are no accidents in the economy of God. Why? Because God is sovereign. He's in complete control of everything. Now, I gave it to you at the beginning, and I want you guys to fill in the blank. I gave it to you on your outline so you can fill it in for yourself. I'll read it again. God is sovereign. What does that mean to you? Thank you. He's in complete control. You say it in your words, because it's going to be your talking point as you go to small group, because you're going to talk about some hard things. Pride and humility. You see it in the text. What does it mean that God is sovereign? To you, here's your small group question as you head out the door. Where is pride taking root in my life? And what do I need to do to, in response to it? What do I need to do right now in response to it to get rid of it? Is there pride? Is there arrogance? Is there an area where I'm puffing up? And how can I get my heart right with God and sit in humility and sit humbly underneath His sovereign care because there's no accidents in His economy? He's good, and He's always good. But guys, I don't know about you. Look at me. I want to be known as a humble servant of God. And I know you do too. There's nothing sweeter than to walk up on someone and go, they live their life with humility and kindness and trust in God. And there's what? There's not an ounce of arrogance in that person. Somebody's coming to your mind that God is bringing right now. And every time you're with them, you go, man, I want more of that in my life. You can have it when you sit humbly under His loving care. Father, we love You. We need You. Father, supernaturally now, would You speak through our leaders? Such a beautiful text, but so much going on in this text. But we see that in the midst of all of this, God, we see Your sovereign hand. We see Your loving care. We see that, man, we're not even to the middle of Joseph's story, we go, what's going to happen with him? What happens? You have your hand on him the whole time. And Father, just like we talked about at the beginning, is our goal for our students is to trust Jesus with their lives and to trust his sovereign plan and care of their lives. You are good. You're always working. We saw that in that incredible video tonight where you, you just see, God, your sovereign hand loving your people every time they turn away in disobedience. You turn with grace and mercy and love.
But your text tells us tonight, and we read so true, is that you oppose the proud and you give grace to the humble. May we be humble servants who sit under your sovereign, loving care. Speak through our small group leaders now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.